Hello and welcome to Just the Facts. This is your host, Tashnika Bryant. So we wanted to kind of go over a recap of the dueling town halls that both uh, current President Trump and former Vice President Biden were holding um, in light of the scheduled and much anticipated um, second debate uh, due to the fact that Trump had been diagnosed with covid and that the um, information from the doctors as far as his care and uh, the last time that he tested positive for COVID and the last time that he tested negative for COVID were a bit sketchy. Biden's campaign felt that it was prudent of them to opt out of that second debate and opt into a virtual debate that way all parties could be safe. Trump didn't like that idea, so he opted out of the debate in its entirety. At that point, um, there was an offer extended first to Vice President Biden, um, former Vice President Biden, excuse me, and he accepted. And then an additional offer after that was provided to Trump and he then accepted. Um, Both of the debates were um, simultaneously um, being shared on uh, different networks. Um, So it was it was quite the toss up and back and forth (laughs) trying to keep up with um, what was happening and what was being said so that I could kind of give you guys um, the best uh, synopsis and my best opinions uh, based on what we saw last evening. So Trump definitely did not disappoint (laughs) as normal. He was very controversial, very argumentative, very bombastic. Um, Definitely Trump was feeling very Trump uh, last night. Uh, One thing that he did say was he did state that the doctors had told him that his lungs looked a little different, um, but he did not elaborate when pressed about what different um, really meant. Um, And he also would not give a definitive on when was the last time that he tested negative for COVID, which if I had been in that town hall or if I had um, been that moderator uh, would have been quite concerning to me to think um, that he's not being forthcoming with that information. Because, of course, that essentially puts everyone who's there and their families and the jobs that they work at at risk because we don't know if he, in fact, is completely negative or when he tested negative. Um, And he definitely was not, you know, going to volunteer that information for um, whatever, whatever his, his, his reasoning is. Um, He did state that he's not being tested every day. Um, So that also in and of itself is very concerning because He's around so many people and they're conducting so much business. You would think um, that testing every day would be the highest on his uh, list of priorities, like first thing in the morning. Um, He was talking about herd immunity, which is, of course, like this thought process that if we all get it, then somehow it's supposed to like protect uh, those who wouldn't get it or would get it. It's it's just, it's weird. Um, it's been debunked as something that would not work and would in fact cause 
us to lose millions of people um, in in America. So, and it's also not anything that anyone has used abroad in any uh, developed countries or third world uh, countries. Um, but he wouldn't say uh, if if he supported it or he didn't um, support it. Support it. Um, he admitted that he had debt that was over four hundred million, um, which is concerning because that's a national security threat. Um, if when you owe that much debt, then it's easy for people to blackmail you, or it's easy for people to say, "Hey, I'll pay this off if you do such and such." Um, so that's why it's important when you're working for the government. Um, that you not have anything that could make you a potential uh, liability and or target um, for, you know, foreign foreign uh, governments. Um, when he was asked if he owed um, any foreign entities, he said that he may. Um, so um, that also is very disconcerting. Um, he had a number of very fringe and odd things to say regarding COVID. Um, now, I was hoping that because he had contracted COVID and his wife had contracted COVID, and we now know that Baron, his youngest son, had contracted COVID, that it would give him pause in how he was dealing with the virus. I had hoped that these weird conspiracy theories or, you know, his lack of allowing PPE to be um, developed here, um, you know, all of this mask denial, you know, I, I had hoped that going through um, that process would have humbled him and caused him to do what was right for the American people. However, that does not seem to be the case. Um, he stated that he was good with masks, which is, of course, a blatant lie because he doesn't like to wear masks and he um, makes fun of people who do wear masks. He makes fun of Joe Biden for wearing a mask. Um, and I'm told um, even in his presence, he'll instruct staffers or aides um, to remove their mask. So we know that he's not good with masks. And we know that from the rallies that he's begun to do, um, since it appears from what the doctors say that he hasn't all clear um, from COVID, that they, when the people who are right behind him are shown with masks. But then when you pan out into the audience, there's no social distancing and no mask. Um, so he cited a CDC study um, or missed. He, he basically he utilized a CDC study um, that was inaccurate um, the way that he worded it so that it would suit his narrative pertaining to COVID. And he said uh, COVID Basically, what happens is that he states, if you wear a mask, then 
he's stating 85% of people uh, will contract COVID if they're wearing a mask. And he's saying that that's what the CDC is saying. And the CDC came out and and categorically denied that. They said that that is not accurate. They said that wearing a mask, as we all know at this point, is our best hope at this point with no vaccine um, to slow the spread and hopefully eventually stop it. This is how you protect yourself. And most importantly, this is how you protect others. Um, So that was a complete lie. Uh, One of the real shockers was when he stated that we have a cure for COVID, which we most certainly do not. There are no cures. There's nothing that we have. No vaccines have been approved. There's nothing uh, available to cure this disease. So that was another um, blatant lie. He also said that the U.S. has done well overall with our death rate compared to other countries, which is a complete lie. We have the highest death rate um, globally. So no, we are not doing well. And especially when it comes to developed nations, we're doing absolutely horrendous. We are at over 250,000 dead. And the projections are um, by the first of next year, they're looking at an additional 200 and some thousand that will have perished as a result to this disease. He loves to say that he had the greatest economy in history and that he created more jobs than any other president, which was a complete lie. Um, He created less jobs than Obama. Um, Another thing that he was uh, talking about, he was saying that his doctor that he's utilizing Um, who isn't an epidemiologist, knows so much about the coronavirus. And it was brought to his attention that that's a lie because he's not a disease specialist. He's not a disease expert and he's not an epidemiologist. So he cannot possibly give you the information that is necessary like someone such as Dr. Fauci would be able to do someone who studies diseases and studies their patterns and studies their transmissions and studies them, you know, in hot temperatures versus versus cold temperatures. Like there's no way that he could give him uh, any type of actual expert knowledge. And his response to that was that he's a great expert of the world. So um, that that was. um, Yeah. That was his response to that. Um, He's lying about protecting pre-existing conditions, um, despite the fact that he he's he's saying, you know, that they want to repeal and replace. This is what he's been saying literally since he was initially on the campaign trail in what, 2015. Um, he's saying he wants to uh, repeal and replace. Now he's been in office almost four years and we have yet to see a comprehensive bill. We have yet to see any type of actual legislation um, that would give people any type of idea what he's actually wanting to replace the ACA with. Um, And 
when it was brought up to him, he, you know, continually says that uh, Obamacare or ACA was a disaster. Um, and he really didn't have too much of a rebuttal when it was brought to his exist when it was brought to his attention that pre-existing conditions um, won't be covered if he gets his way because right now um, the case is before the the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court could rule in favor of Trump which would automatically remove the pre-existing condition clause that allows people to get coverage right and understanding that people who get COVID now you have a pre-existing condition so you know it's anyone who's had covid um, di- diabetes high blood pressure uh, cholesterol cancer you know any of these things could cancel you out if the trump administration and the republicans get their way so because remember they tried to uh repeal it and then john mccain cast the final vote for the ACA to stay the law of the land. So now they're going to the Supreme Court um, to try to get it overturned that way. He was asked about DACA, which of course, um, if you're not familiar with DACA, basically what that is, is uh, children of immigrants, children who were brought over here young, you know, like two years old, six years old, 12 years old, who didn't have a choice in them coming or staying, who have, by all accounts, are Americans who just don't have their citizenship. You can pay and be a part of DACA and um, you can stay in this country and you can work and you can pay taxes and pay into Social Security and all of these things and enjoy all the freedoms that America has to offer with this program. Um, And he was saying he was a great fan of the program. And then it was brought to his attention that he in fact had halted the program and no new applicants um, had been accepted, I think uh, this entire year. He blamed it on the virus saying that that's what halted it, but that was not um, actually correct. Um, another thing that was disturbing, he was, he's started to blame gold star families for infecting him with COVID. Now, for those of you that aren't sure or don't know what a gold star family is when you're in the military and your loved one dies in service, you then become what's called a gold star family because your son or daughter, husband or wife, niece or nephew, have made the ultimate sacrifice. So gold star families um, are historically treated with the utmost respect. And um, there was a luncheon of some sort or some type of activity. I'm not not sure if it was a luncheon, but it was some type of ceremony or activity that was held with gold star families. And then I assume shortly thereafter, he found out that he had COVID. So he's blaming the gold star families, which he has kind of... um, uh, a history with not treating gold star families so nicely. I don't know if you remember the cons. Um, in his last election, he had very disparaging things to say um, about them. And I believe their son was a captain and he um, sacrificed his his life overseas. Um, so it, 
there's the lots of instances of him being very disrespectful to Gold Star family. So this is just the latest one. So he was saying that the lockdowns uh, that are happening in states, um, he stated, are meant to hurt him and not because of COVID. Um, he's basically stating it's a political maneuver and that as soon as the election is over on November 4th, they're going to open up um, their states back up. And that's not true. And it's also a lot of the reason why we're having the issues that we're having with these militias, um, like with the militia who had the plot to kidnap uh, Governor Whitmer. OK, and uh, also Governor Northam. And these are all Democratic governors um, because he's he's putting this narrative that people um, that these governors are closing down their jobs. They're closing down the restaurants they're closing down the gyms. They're closing down everything to make Trump look bad. Um, and that's not the case. It's they're closing down because these places are hotspots. They're closing down to slow the spread of the virus to try to protect their constituents and their cities. This is what has to be done because of the federal government who's under Trump's um, awful mishandling of the virus. So that was another uh, lie that he told. Um, he refused to denounce QAnon. Um, he was saying that he knows nothing about QAnon. Um, and then after saying he knows nothing about QAnon, then he went on to say that they're against pedophilia. Um, so, <laughs> so they're basically all right with him because they're against pedophilia. And QAnon is like this fringe offshoot group um, who are under the misunderstanding that there's all these people in Hollywood that are selling and eating children and there's green lizard people. And I mean, it's just a mess. Um, not too hard to denounce something like that, but by not denouncing it and by speaking on it, it gives them validity, which is what we don't want to do. They're so eccentric that they've been banned from platforms like Facebook and YouTube and others like them. Um, the other one that was really interesting uh, conspiracy theory was that Obama killed a fake Osama bin Laden and he's alive still. And he set up uh, and killed the, the, the SEAL team. Um, and then when pressed about it, because it's obviously not accurate, not correct, and a complete conspiracy theory, uh, Trump said he retreated it and people can decide what they want. That works when you're a private citizen or a person who has very little followers, but I think he has something like 85 million followers. Um, and not to mention he's the president of the United States. So again, what you say, what you do, how you say it and how you do it matters. 
because you're the president of the United States. And not only does America look to you, but globally, the global community used to look to America for leadership. So people pay attention um, when you tweet things or when you say things or when you don't denounce things like QAnon. So um, that's pretty much my synopsis for Trump. Um, he was just very Trump, like I stated in in the beginning. Um, he had a lot of conspiracy theories. He was very argumentative. Um, you know, he was very um, not able to pinpoint his policies as he never has been. Um, he's never, he was mistaken on things that were policies that he and his administration put in to place. So it's just very un unfortunate that this is where, where we are um, in our politics. But this is why things like these town halls are so important. Um, so that we can really get a sense for the candidate and for their platforms and for their policies. Um, with Biden, he was excellent um, as normal. He was the consummate politician. Um, he was very engaging with the audiences, um, even after um, they had wrapped up with the um, actual town hall, he stayed and answered people's questions who maybe weren't, didn't make it on, onto air because he legitimately cares about, you know, what people think and how people feel. Um, so, and that always comes across. Um, some of the things that he said that I really enjoyed is he said that he is running as a democratic, as a Democrat. Right. But he says he will be an American president and he emphasized I will be the president for those who have voted for me and for those who have not voted for me, um, which I thought was phenomenal, because with this current president, um, he only seems concerned with his base. And if you're not a part of his base, he, it's almost as if you're not a part of America when it comes to him. So I thought that that was a very um, important thing to say. He, um, he stated that he would be open to taking a vaccine as long as it's backed by scientists, as long as it's you know gone through the incubation period and gone through um, the uh, you know the different trials, um, as long as it's and as long as it's backed by science. Um, he said he would take it, which echoes the sentiments of um, his running mate, uh, Senator Kamala Harris. She said the exact same thing. Um, and they were wanting to know about court packing because of course we've got, you know, this huge situation with the Supreme Court because the um, Republicans refused to allow then President Obama to utilize um, his pick when Anton Scalia, Justice Scalia, died unexpectedly. So he, it was his turn, you know, to be able to pick pick the pick the justice, and um, 
it happened in February and they didn't want to, they, they blocked him and said, made up all these, um, excuses and reasoning why he shouldn't pick, even though there's no policy, there's no procedures, there's no laws, there's no rules preventing that. And Anton Scalia died in February of, of the election year. And our RBG just passed away and we're what, like three weeks out from the election. Um, so because of a lot of the flip-flopping, we, we, they're trying to, when I say they, the Republicans are trying to push through, um, this Amy Barrett character, um, and 72% of Americans that have been polled agree that the next president should be able to make that, make that choice. So because Republicans like Mitch McConnell and and Lindsey Graham, just to name a few, have flip-flopped on that issue so tremendously, they're now concerned with, um, will the Democrats turn around and change if we get into the White House, if we take the Senate back, and if we, main, you know, maintaining the House, um, would we then turn around and up the Supreme Court justices from nine to 13 and then pack the court with liberal judges. Now, I myself think that that would be a fair thing to do. I think it's the only thing to do because we were denied our pick and now they're trying to uh, push this woman through who is very problematic um, and very controversial and um, really shouldn't be um, even able to be a part of the Supreme Court. She, she shouldn't even be eligible uh, based on the information uh, that I saw following the hearings all week. Um, so they're asking Biden, are you going to pack the court? So he, he didn't give a definitive answer, but he did say um, that before the election, he would provide an in action, um, provide an answer regarding what his position would be on packing the court. Um, I, I think that we do need to pack the court for just checks and balances. That's that's what's very important um, because with the court the way it is now, you would only have a conservative majority. You would only have a conservative representation. And you need to have more than a conservative voice. That's why the court works, because you have, uh, you know, an almost equal number of liberal judges and you might have some moderate judges and then you have conservative judges and they all go there together. And that provides a well-rounded voice for our country. And it allows for judgments and rulings to be made in a way that does not upset the entire country. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely see how that goes. Um, he answered a question about transgender, um, and I thought he answered it beautifully. There was a woman there who stated she had two, two daughters. One of her daughters was transgendered, and she said um, with a lot of the disturbing... Um, precedences and policies coming out of the Trump administration, um, more or less targeting transgender people. What was his take? 
And he, you know, Joe Biden said, you know, there's definitely no reason for any type of discrimination and your transgender daughter shouldn't be treated any different than your other daughter. And I thought that was amazing because a lot of the discriminatory practices um, that have come out is just horrific. You know, these are people and they deserve to live their life unbothered. And, you know, it doesn't matter who anyone is or who anyone isn't or what they believe or what they don't believe, we're all still people. And at the end of the day, we should all have the same inalienable rights. And that's it. So I, I, I was really grateful. Um, he basically, you know, he just talked about policy and he laid out his plans for America, which he was kind of stifled in doing so because of uh, Trump's just erratic and just disrespectful and unacceptable, inexcusable behavior um, that he that, you know, he put forth in the first debate. So I was really happy that Joe Biden got a chance to speak to America and um we all know Trump is very concerned about ratings. He's always talking about ratings. I guess that goes from him from his time um, on The Apprentice. Um, but uh, so far, the ratings show that Biden is ahead of him and had more viewership um, at last night's debate. <laughs> um, so I just thank you guys for tuning in and taking a listen to my synopsis and uh, breakdown of the debate from both Trump and Biden. Uh, I know this this um, update is a little longer than they normally are, but um, I just thank you for bearing with me and listening. And uh, this is uh, Just the Facts. And as always, I am your host, Tashnika Bryant.